0: You're listening to a podcast New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at ten thirty a.m. in Pompano. All right. Well, good morning again. New Covenant is good to see you. Welcome, welcome. If you don't know me, I'm Adam. I'm the pastor here at the church, and it's just a great joy to already just what we've gotten to do together. So thankful to our team, to you all for participating, for being here. If you're new, just we are so thankful that you've chosen to check us out, and we hope you feel welcomed and loved. And if you don't, you need to come tell me quickly after church and tell me who did not love you well. <laughs> uh, if you're joining us from home or in the future, we're, we're glad you're with us as well. We are, uh, we are in Judges. Book of Judges. Uh, if you are going to follow along at, at some level in your own Bible, we're going to be uh, in chapters four, predominantly four, but it's really covering four and five, but don't worry, it won't be twice as long of a message. Uh, but this particular story, this narrative actually takes place over two, two chapters in this, so we're going to jump around a little bit just to get some good context. But we're in a series through the book of Judges Uh, from what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and it is full of wild tales. (laughs) uh, And today is no exception. It is a wild story that I I hope we'll uh, we'll be able to unpack and dissect a bit and just find some really great redeeming value in it. So thank you for just uh, some of the encouraging words I've already heard from some of you that have been enjoying the series so far, and we're gonna we're gonna keep going through it. We have uh, we'll be in it for uh, probably another four or five weeks. So if you haven't listened to any of the other ones, I'd encourage you to go do that so you can get context of what's going on. But we're gonna start off today in uh, chapter four, just reading the first four verses, and then we'll we'll jump back in uh, throughout the message to to get a better context, but this is what Judges 4, 1-4 to says. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoyim, then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, was judging Israel at that time. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, uh, help, help this text come alive to us in some new ways. Teach us about faith. Teach us how to live for something bigger than what we see day in and day out. Teach us to live for something bigger than ourselves. Make the best use of this time, God, as we hear and listen and think. Change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's interesting as we look in the, what we call the Old Testament, um, it's always, (laughs) it's always interesting when we're in in this part of the Bible because it brings out some things in each of us. You have the rule followers, okay, you're a rule follower. The Old Testament for you at times can be like, yes, finally, we're going to talk about obeying God and doing what's right and following what he says to do and if only everybody would just get on board and do what's right and stop doing this then you know we'd be better our lives would be better our country would be better and you know this 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 then there's the other the other half of the room that are not rule followers they're rule maybe not changers but benders adjusters rule um where it's it's more of a suggestion than actual rules right so some of you fall heavily into probably one of those two categories and some of you are you know in in, in between in the middle to some to some degree but think th- you know who you are right like when you play a game there's some of you when you play a game like the rules are there to give order and equity And they are not to be carelessly bent and twisted to create some shadow of what was the original game and now has become some new version of the game that was supposed to be played a certain way to clearly know who wins and who loses. Maybe you can see some of where I land on things. (laughs) I mean, it's interesting. How how we live? Like, what are you? Which one do you fall into? Which camp are you there? See, I'm wired a certain way. My personality is 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 bent a certain way, and it is difficult for me. And I tell you, like, it comes out in those moments. Like, we're playing a game. Someone has a question about. Well, what do you think we should do? I'm like, well, there's no question. Like, we just look at the rules. And it's very clear on what, what to do. And it drives me crazy if you're like, ah, you know, let's just, let's just decide. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? This, this makes no sense to me. I mean, that's, that's how I'm wired, and you're wired a certain way. And, you know, it's funny how personality tests are, are, are popular and can actually give a lot of insight into how, honestly, how God has wired us, how God has made us. And so there's not necessarily, there there is, as much as I may fall into one camp versus another, there is not always a clear right and a wrong answer with some of those things. And what happens when we get into books like this, right, we, we can fall into the, like, hey, Judges is a, it's a cautionary tale on what happens if you do not follow God. What happens when you don't pass the faith down to next generations? Listen, when you obey God, good things happen. When you disobey God, bad things happen. And we can make it very black and white and very prescriptive. Just follow the rules. And I I, I think as we look through this book more and more, there, there is a different way to look at it. Yes, cautionary tales all throughout this book and all the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is difficult. It's complicated. If you do an honest reading of the Old Testament and you walk away being like, oh yeah, that made sense. You're not reading it fairly, okay? It, there, there, are, there are questions to be had at the end of all the, even the New Testament. But we 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 get into stories here. We've we've already read one crazy one with Ehud. Today is another one. And I I think when we look at books like this, the way that helps us to frame things is not so much about like hey. If you, do, if you do this or don't do this, God is going to get you. But rather to, to look at it from a different perspective and to say like, look what happens when you trust God. The amazing things that can happen when you give your life to the Lord and, and how he, 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 can, he can bring all kinds of new life and new things to you when you trust him, when you believe, when you have faith. So not to just come in at it and be like, well, you know, follow the rules or else God's going to get you. It's like, no, man, have faith in who God is and he is going to do amazing things in your life. And we see books like this become clearer as we read the New Testament and we see Jesus and we see the, the fulfillment of so much of what we read about here. But for us... As we, as we go through this, and if you're one of those, like, like me, kind of rule-bent people, books like this challenge you. And if, and if you're a rule-breaker, <laughs> books like this challenge you. How could God act like this? How could God be so patient? I mean, we're, we're all over the place. See, that, that's what we're, we're talking about today. And really every day, throughout this, every time we look at, at a book, at a story from this series in Judges This one element comes out and shines hard throughout its faith Story after story of faith That's judges. I've said it before. It's a book about us It's a book about people who just consistently want to do what they want to do and have no regard for who God is or for what God wants and then they, they slip into this pattern of disobedience. And then God, because he cannot tolerate his people just doing whatever they want to do, God comes along and says, listen, there is going to be discipline in your life now because of this. And they're like, no, I don't want discipline. Lord, help. And he helps. And he raises up a deliverer, a judge. But when you boil it down, man, this, this is about faith. How a little bit of faith can bring large impact to our lives. And each week, we're going to highlight different elements from the story. It's not going to be about faith each week. It wasn't as much about faith last week. We talked more about weakness and how God works through weakness. And today, we're going to just talk about how God works through our faith. And we're going to get into some other crazy stories. Some famous, some not so famous, Gideon, Samson. In the end, God shows himself to be at the center of the story and is, is calling us as his people to trust him, to believe him, to have faith. Judges is this book uh, that that highlights how people who seem on the outside weak and, and broken, often faithless, that God works through them, through their weakness, and shows how faith, through our faith, amazing things can come about. How when God's bigness, his, what I call his weight, intersects with our weakness, the kind of things that can happen and how that intersection leads us to daily life change and life growth. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want to change. We want growth. I mean, maybe you don't want to change, but look, we all need to continue to change. We all need to continue to grow. I mean, that's what growth is. Growth is change. We want to grow. We need to grow. And even though God is the active worker in these stories, and he is the active worker in our life, (laughs) it does require something from us. It requires faith. To believe that he is actually who he says he is and that he is doing some things in us that stretch us and are difficult to always understand. And this story today in Judges 4 and 5 is a story of faith and something that we can look to to strengthen our faith. Faith faith is hard, isn't it? In any way, shape, or form. I mean, to to believe, to have faith in one thing or another is, is difficult. And then we start talking about faith in God. We can be honest, okay? We can pull down all the you know like oh yeah I'm great and I love Jesus and everything is fine and no I don't ever have any doubts about my faith and listen it's all through the Bible (laughs) every human had some form of doubt in their faith we have some form of doubt in our faith why because faith is hard faith goes against everything that we tend towards that we gravitate towards we want answers we want them now (laughs) we want results now, we don't like ambiguity. We want resolution. But by definition, faith is, is ap- actually the complete opposite of all of that. And so we are caught in a situation, right? And if we look, if we look at the Bible to, to see what, what actually faith is, all right, there's a definition in there in, in the book of Hebrews. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Okay, so if you just look at those words, right? Assurance of things hoped for. Assurance and hope just, they don't mix well. Football season just started. There's a lot of hope out there. There's a little assurance lots of hope <laughs> for my dolphins there we go men men charlotte you know yeah not a lot of conviction though not a lot of assurance i look things hoped for the question what what are you hoping for like, really, in your life, what are you hoping for? Maybe, maybe a better way to ask, or the bigger question, what seems hopeless to you? Because those are the questions of life, man, that we have to wrestle with when we feel like things are hopeless, that there is no solution in sight, right? That's what we were praying for earlier. Just trying to knock down the guardrails and the barriers and say, like, okay, I really am fearful of this, or I'm scared of this, I don't have a lot of hope that this is going to happen, or I really want this to happen, and and how do I figure that out? What do we do when we feel outnumbered, outgunned, tired, like there's no end in sight? Well, I think today can help, because the answer to that hopelessness is faith. The answer is Jesus. The answer is God, but the answer to how we fight through it day in and day out is through faith. We learn here from from our little story that when God is working, it is never hopeless. And our only move, our only move when when the odds are stacked against us, when things just do not have an end in sight, our only move is faith. I want you to see that, and I want you to embrace that. So what does it mean for us, okay? How does that look in our daily life? Like when, when we follow God, what, what happens? We, we actually learn how to exercise faith. And that's a process, it's not easy. Exercising faith is hard, just like exercising our body is hard. It takes time, it's a process. Exercising our faith, getting the, the, the ability, and that, that, that's why we sing. It's why you're here listening. This is an exercise of faith because you're actually gonna sing things that don't feel true in your life in the moment. That takes faith. And it's a, it's a discipline to, to choose joy in those moments, to choose faith, to choose life, to say, I will believe that God is a, is a way maker miracle worker promise keeper that is it's hard to do but it is a process we we do not drift into faith it doesn't accidentally happen it takes intentionality it takes putting a foot in front of the other That's why it's called a walk of faith, steps of faith, because even just to take that first step can be the hardest thing in the world. And we're going to see that in our story. Look, faith begins with God. Faith is not just begins with God. It is fueled by God. God will fuel your faith, but it is fought every day in and through our lives. Faith is fueled by God, but it is fought day in and day out in our life and some of you get it most of you get it maybe all of us get it (laughs) because you're in the fight of faith right now here's the ideal here's what i'm hoping for but it's over there and i'm here (laughs) and i can't see where that's going to be but there is a path from here to there that that i'm believing is going to get me what i believe god wants That is the the conviction, the assurance, saying like, look, God, you have promised me this, and you're taking me on a path to get there, and you believe, but it's not clear. So what does it mean to live a life of faith? It's going to mean a few things that we're going to pull out from here. It's going to mean listening to and, and for the voice of God, okay? it's going to mean lowering our expectations of comfort (laughs) and it's going to excuse me leaving behind our expectations of comfort and it's going to mean lowering our desire to be at the center of the story to be at the center of the universe so those are the connections that that i'm trying to make for us the connection between faith and listening the connection between faith and, and leaving, leaving that comfort, leaving that expectation of comfort and, and faith, the connection between faith and lowering our desire to be at the center of the story. So that's what we're gonna look at today. And before we jump into those kind of application points. I just want to give some context to this story, because I only read a small piece of what's happening here, okay? So let me give some context of what's going on. Ehud, right? He is uh, the the guy we talked about last week, right? Crazy story. He dies, okay? Ehud dies, and Israel is back in the same position, right? I I read it to you before, verses 1 and 2. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died, and the lord sold them off okay and you start to learn the characters here you have jabin he's called the king of canaan you have his commander sisera okay those are the two players and then i already read on that the judge is lifted up and it's a new one israel cries out for for some help And they raise up Deborah. God raises up Deborah. So Israel finds himself again in this cycle. Uh, (laughs) They cry out for help. God gives a, a, a new judge Deborah. Really unique story okay this is one of the most unique in all the stories uh, in judges okay and it's it's unique for a few reasons first of all we have what is the only the only woman uh, judge and leader in Israel's history <laughs> from before and, and after. You have Deborah. So it's a really unique character, Deborah. Um, she's the only only woman who leads Israel, Israel. And even though she is the one who is the, the judge, who's raised up as the, the deliverer, uh, she's actually not the primary one who does it. There's, there's two other characters in this story. She is not... I mean, all the other stories within Judges have one hero, okay, one one judge that is the main leader, the main warrior, and uh, this is the only story where she is not also the warrior and the deliverer. But she's clearly gifted, She's it's a really unique story. Um, but well, we actually have three different characters in play here, okay? Uh, not just one judge, but three people who share a part in saving Israel from, from, uh, from Jabin. You have, you have Deborah, who is th- called the prophet, um, this leader. She's kind of voicing what God wants. She calls on Barak. Okay? Who becomes? Uh, he he does. He's the general. He does most of the fighting. And then you have this one character that we're going to see in a little bit. Jl, this unassuming woman who who's housewife, <laughs> who plays this amazing role. We're going to read about her in a minute. So we have Deborah. Uh, we're not ready for for that. We have Deborah, Barak, and Jael on, on one side, and then we have Jabin and Sisera on the other side. And so what do we know about them? So as we, as we read through, what do we know about Sisera and Jabin? Um, they are exceptionally cruel, right? So this is a cycle that happens in Israel. Like, The more that they go down this, this, this well, it gets worse and worse for them. Hey, can we raise the temperature in here just a little bit? Sasha, can you ask her how to turn the air up a little bit? I am, I am freezing. Like, I can't, I can't even tell you. Like This is blowing on me so hard, and I just gotta, I gotta show my weakness here. I am I'm so cold. It's like impacting my, like, my joints. So if you're cold, sorry. Last week was hot, this week's cold. We can't figure it out. So Jabin and Sisera, exceptionally cruel. We see that in verse 3. They rule for 20 years. So this is longer than Israel has had to deal with oppression in a while. And we learn that they are exceptionally powerful. Okay? It talks about this 900 iron chariots. This, This is a huge deal. If you know anything about history, like when iron got into the mix, changed the game for warfare. So the fact that they had this technological advance, this would have been the most technologically advanced military weapon, this chariots of iron, right? You think about like drones, okay, you know, smart bombs, I mean, th- that kind of element. Like these things would cut through anything, anyone, and that's why the people who had iron were able to rule. So this is the, the cycle of Israel, right? It gets worse each time. It's more cruel. It's longer. They're outnumbered. They're outgunned. And so the question is, like, what, what hope is there? For them, it is hopeless. And so we're going to look at the rest of the story. Okay, we're gonna take it in, in little chunks so that you can get an idea of what happens, right? So Israel is, is trying to figure out what to do with, with Jabin and Sisera Deborah is the judge, and so here's what we learn in verses six and seven, and you should have it up on here for you. So she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh, Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go. Gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Okay, so Deborah calls to the general, right? Says, Barak, need you to come out. It's time. We're going to face these 900 chariots and all his armies, gather, gather the people up. We're going to take 10,000 soldiers, and we're going, to, we're going to draw Sisera out to this one area by the river, and that's going to be important later. We'll, we'll see that towards the end. All right, so moving on to verses 8 and 9. But Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. But the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah rose, arose, and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. So this really interesting part of the story. Um, Barak is, is called to go, and you know he's a general of the armies, and he says, "Listen, I it, I need you to come with." <laughs> You clearly are the one hearing from God. I, I need, there's a lot of chariots down there. <laughs> I need you. I need you to be with me. If you go, I'm in. If you don't go, I will not go. Now, we don't know how serious or if he's just using, you know, ex- exaggeration, hyperbole to say, hey, listen, if you're not going, I'm not going. Like, there's no way. I mean, he, he might still have gone. But so he, he says, I'm, you come with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have a lot more confidence. I believe God's going to be with us. And she, she says that she's going to go. And she, she tells him that even though he's going to be the one that's going to be running into battle, facing these chariots, that actually he is not going to be the one to get the glory in the end. But that you will be, the, the glory is going to go to a woman. Now, we don't know right now who she means. She means herself, like, hey, now that I'm coming, I'm going to get the glory. It's actually not true. There's someone else. Okay, there's someone else in the story. Really interesting. So uh, moving on to verses 13. Sisera called out his chariots. So Sisera is on the battlefield. 900 chariots of iron. Always highlighting that because it's a big, big deal. And all the men who were with him from Herosheth, Hagayim, to the river, Kishon, and Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. So Deborah says, Barak, it's time. He takes his men. They're They're on this some form of mountain range. They start charging down the mountains, right, running into meat grinder I mean the chariots are down there chariots of iron it says the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and Sisera gets off his (laughs) gets off his chariot he sees that that they're losing they're gonna lose and he just takes off on foot and I, I won't read all the next part but as he's running he sees a he sees a friendly tent he sees someone who is affiliated with their kingdom who's friends with the king sees a tent. He says, okay, I got some shelter. So he runs down there. He, 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 he meets um, Jl, who is, all we know is she is the wife of, of, of Heber, and he thinks it's friendly. And so J, Jl comes out to meet him, and she says, oh, come in, come in, come in. Come turn aside to me. Don't be afraid. He goes in. He asks for water. She gives him milk, gives him a blanket, It's like every horror movie you've seen. Like, (laughs) Don't go in the tent. Don't do it. So verses 20 and 21. And he said to her, so this is Sisera now. He's like cozy cozy up on the bed, milk in his belly. He tells her, stand at the opening of the tent. If any man comes and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. (laughs) But Jael... The wife of Heber took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the tent peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying there fast asleep from his weariness. Didn't need to be said, so he died. (laughs) Yeah. Stories, they're wild, man. Little J.L., come in, come in, lay down. It's going to be fine. It would have been the, the wife's role to to put the tent up and take the tent down, tent down so this would have been common for her to have. Ten peg, hammer, would have been like an appliance. Um, seriously, I mean... The, in that culture, okay, just, so what it would have been, um, and it's just wild. So, so Barak, right, the general who's like running after this guy, trying to find him, he's running through the woods, he comes to the tent, you know, sees Jael, and what we read in the end here, Jael, uh, they, they meet him, behold, Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said, come and I'll show you the man who you're seeking. So he went into her tent. I mean, you just imagine, like, like looking in, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. There's a lot we can talk about here, and a lot we cannot talk about, and there's just a lot of questions that remain. It's a wild story, but I do believe it is a story that, Helps us to understand what we, what can happen when we trust God. You have these two images you have chariots and you have a tent peg. One, easy to trust in, one is meaningless if God's not involved. Chariots and tent pegs. Our, our life is full of, of looking at these two things, right? Not in reality for us, but we have things in our life that are the chariots, and we have things in our life that are the tent pegs. And we have the things that are, are easy to believe in and to follow and to, to, to hide behind and to run behind and say, like, this is going to be my salvation. This nothing can beat me if I have this. And then you have this little household appliance, when in the right hand ends a war. Faith. What do we learn about faith and how we grow in faith? And we've got we to gotta hustle through this. I said earlier that the connection between faith and listening is huge. In order to really exercise our faith, to to activate faith in us, we have to listen. We have to have our ears open to the voice of God, to what God is saying, to 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 hear Him, to not just create what we think is right, but to. To make space in our life to hear from god we are inundated with noise with sound with images with voices i mean it is almost impossible to know who to listen to who not what to do what not to do so many opinions do this don't do this eat this don't eat this Listen, if you eat only vegetables, you're gonna to live to be a hundred. Listen, if you eat only meat, you're gonna to live to be a hundred. You need this much sleep, you need this much water, you need to wear this, or don't I mean, it is unbelievable to, to try to wade through all the information that we have to do in this day, and it is almost impossible. And so then you start trying to figure out well, what's God, who's God in the middle of all of this? And if we are not intentionally trying to hear him, to find him, we will not hear him. The voice that we hear will be our own and it will create our pathway forward and it will create what we believe, our faith pathway. We all make our choices on on who we're going to listen to. And once we do, there is a strong connection to our faith. Once we start going down those paths, listening and faith are connected. There, there has to be a voice that is louder than the rest. And it has to be God. It will set the course for our life. It'll set the course for what we do, what we don't do, how we live, how we love. And we have to learn how to hear him, how to listen. When we hear him, when, <laughs> when we listen to him, there is life. And for you rule followers, when we do not listen to him, there is pain. There is destruction. It's Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And all of it was evil in the sight of the Lord. We have, to, we have to find him. We have to hear through all the noise his voice. It's all over this story. Look, they're under slavery in Canaan. If the Israelites would have done what God wanted them to do in the beginning and driven out all the Canaanites, they wouldn't be in this position or any of the positions that come after. Then if you look at the players involved, they all have to exercise their faith. I mean, I would say, especially Barack, Deborah calls him up, says, listen, God says you need to go fight. He's got 900 iron chariots. I need you to go run and, and get them. And maybe you're like, well, Barack had 10,000 people. Look, 900 iron chariots wins every time against 10,000 chariots. It's like bringing a knife into a gunfight. It does not work. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That is what faith is and what we need to do in order to exercise our faith. We need to think about the thing that we are hoping for and have that, find that voice that brings assurance to us that God is going to act and to move. At some point, Barack had to believe and step out in faith from what Deborah was saying. He had to run down that mountain what is God calling you to do right now that you're having a hard time believing him for? Listen, it's, it, it's us trying to hear what God is saying, and we hear what God is saying first and foremost by, by reading the scriptures, by reading the Bible. This is the word of the Lord. This is clear. It is not always easy. It is not always pleasant. It is not always simple, but it is right there for us. And then as we pray, God, God brings his word alive to us and he speaks to us. That's, these are the ways that we hear his voice and it shapes our faith. It, 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 it awakens us to know how to live, how to move. And we don't just wanna to listen to what he is saying to do because there's a lot of that. But also we need to listen to what he says about who we are. Do you know who you are? I mean, we have three players in here. Deborah had exercised faith in what she was called to do. She was not a warrior. God didn't call her to lead the army down the mountain. She was called to to prophesy, to proclaim God's word, and to do what what he had told her. She was a leader. She was leading the whole thing. Barak was was the, the fighter, the warrior. That was what God had called him to he had to go physically fight the enemy. And then there's J.L. She's, she's just a gangster, man. I don't know, like, it's crazy. Tough little woman, man. Who has God called you? We, we spend so much of our life trying to operate in areas that God has not called us into operation. <laughs> We think we have to be this or this. I have to be the warrior, and God's not calling you to be the warrior. I have to be the prophet. God's not calling you to be the prophet. But what is God calling you to do? You need to listen for his voice. You need to have a lot of that listening comes in community here. When you're around other people of faith who can look in and say, man, you're so gifted in this area and this area, and I think God might be calling you to this or to this. And you can hear that. Faith and listening is a huge piece of how we exercise faith. What is God calling you to? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. See, the connection between not just faith and listening, but faith and, and leaving, leaving our expectations of comfort. Listen, faith is uncomfortable, period. If... This is so hard for us because we're Americans, man. We're we're here in twenty first century prosperity. I know we all are at different places in the spectrum, but overall, to operate in faith means to be uncomfortable. To exercise faith means to be uncomfortable. To exercise anything means to be uncomfortable. You want to exercise your body. It's going to be uncomfortable everyone who tries to sell you those things that say it's really no problem it's easy you can get in shape in your sleep it's a lie (laughs) it's a lie return it are you willing to be uncomfortable to follow god god calls us to a a level of discomfort when we follow him. Barak had to run down that mountain into the chariots. It was a suicide mission, but he believes God is with them and so he fights. There will be times when God allows life to get really uncomfortable for you. The question is, what do you do when that happens? Do you continue to step forward in faith or do you see it as an opportunity to turn and run? and find some other God that's going to make it very comfortable and easy. God has called you to things. He has put situations in your life. He is, he is leading you in paths that are not always easy or comfortable at all, and we need to leave the expectation that it is going to be comfortable. God hasn't forgotten you. Even when it seems scary and hopeless and we feel outnumbered and outgunned, God is not left. God is actually working through those things to do something in your life. We actually get to see how Barak wins. You have to go to chapter 5. We didn't talk about chapter 5, but chapter 5 is a retelling of the whole thing through a song. And as you, if you look at verses 20 and 21, it says this: From the heavens the stars fought; from their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on, my soul, with might. Something happened in that fight. You say, how how did the 10,000 soldiers beat the chariots? Because God fought. It says the stars fought, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's poetic. It's like the heavens opened, and it seems like rain came, and they remember, they fought near the river. The river gets flooded, sweeps away the chariots. Like, that's, that's what faith does, man. We, act, we, we step out in faith. We say, God, I'm, I'm running towards those chariots. I don't know how it's going to happen. This is really uncomfortable. <laughs> and the next thing you know, the river flows and wipes away the enemy right in front of your face. That's what God does. That's how he operates in our life. And I know that it is so hard and it is so difficult at times. And I wish I could tell you all the stories of our life, my life, where God has done this and tested our faith. Sometimes God is ready to do amazing things and he's asking you to take that first step of faith and run. Run towards the chariots and just watch what he does. What seems impossible to you is nothing to him. It's uncomfortable when our faith is tested. James, he says, uh, the book of James says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness has its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you see? I mean, look at, look at the chain. It's uncomfortable when our faith is tested. It's uncomfortable when it's stretched. But it is working something out in you. The testing of your faith gives you endurance. And endurance tells you that it, it brings wholeness to you. It brings completeness. We have to learn to not despise the testing of our faith. And not despise the discomfort that comes when we actually are going to trust God for something. The very definition of faith that it is something we cannot see is just uncomfortable because I want to see it. We see everything. We're trying to see the things that are behind the things all the time. God's saying, are you going to look for me? I am the thing behind the thing, behind the thing, behind the thing. Trust me. It's okay to be uncomfortable. And I'm going to stop here because we're out of time. But let me just summarize the last point in this, that our faith is connected to humility, connected to us lowering ourselves from Th- this, this desire to constantly be at the center of the story. We are not the center of the story. If there's one thing we learn from this story is that God is at the center of the story. The stars are, are, are fighting for Israel. They're opening up, the rivers are, are ro- roaring for Israel. God is working, God is at work, and when we can be okay with taking ourselves away from the center so that we're not the ones that we're always listening to, we're not the ones p- putting ourselves as the hero This story has three people who are all operating in different categories to show that none of them are the hero, that there's one hero at the center of the story, and it's Jesus Christ. It is God. God is the one who fights for you. He is the one who will lead you and walk with you through the difficult, impossible, hopeless situations of your life. Trust him. Believe in him. Take that first step. What is that step that he's calling you to take? What is he asking you to do right now to take that next step? To not be afraid. Forget the chariots. Look to the tent peg. We have a hero who didn't, didn't take a tent peg and drive it in the head of, a, of his enemy. He, he, he took the tent peg himself, drove it into his own hands, his feet, so that you could have life, that you could find forgiveness, you could find deliverance, salvation. Everything in Judges points us to a judge that is perfect, that does it the right way, that does it in a way where his death doesn't mean the end of our salvation. His death is The beginning of our salvation. It is the root of our salvation. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you, for me, is how we are saved, how we have life. So that when we start falling into old patterns, we run back to him. And we trust in him for everything that we need. God is at the center of your story. Don't forget it. He's the hero. Don't forget it fight the urge to be at the center and to look to your own strength to find the answers. Let go. That's faith. Do you believe? What is he calling you to? Let's stand together. God, we come in faith, trusting you with everything that we have. And if there are those in here, God, who don't know you, who haven't even had that, had that opportunity yet to, to believe in you, to put their faith in you, God, that today would be the day that they would call out and say, God, I need you, I trust you. And for those of us that do call you Lord, that, that have put our hope in you, when we find ourselves lacking in faith, that we would run to you, God, that we would run back to the one who took the nails, who took the tent peg for us. And to trust you that in our faith, it's okay to be uncomfortable, to not see the end, but to see you the whole way and say, God, I believe you're leading me through it. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to close in song. If you need prayer for anything, there will be people in the back ready to pray for you. Don't wait, come in faith. This is one of those ways we get to listen to the voice of the Lord. So I encourage you to go back there, get prayer, and then let's, in faith, sing this final song together.